Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. like that the final hours here monday edition hot my with hutton and withrow across the outkick network glad you're with us sixth and peabody air location with eha beer and old smoky moonshine chad uh joe burrow a game time decision that coming through the uh some pregame information for monday night football through uh, laura rutledge so we'll see um didn't i feel like uh, dr david chow pro football doc told us one week off isn't really going to help like it's a it's a long period of time if you want this to just go away, and you had to come back a hundred percent to begin the year, whenever he started his season, week one, week three, whenever, because if you push it back and you show up not ready to go health wise, it's going to be a lingering issue all year, and it's definitely it, even when he's playing the first couple of weeks, he's in the pocket, he's not doing very much of you know, as far as the mobility doesn't allow him to with the calf issue. Yeah, I, I'm going to be surprised if this isn't a long-term thing, unfortunately, for Cincinnati. We'll see tonight. Maybe he goes out there, game-time decision, and plays and, and looks you know, 100% or close to it. Maybe. And it's no issue. But I, th- to me, this is headed towards he is going to be put on the shelf until it's completely right. And that could be a month. Well, after you start stacking losses, then you it's, could do that. But like it, so, but what? It, it, Tank it Williams a, is coming up. It in becomes a minutes. throwaway season at some point. Yeah, uh, Tank Williams, uh, NFL analyst, former NFL safety, uh, joins us uh, in in twenty minutes. It, the white. So the AFC was already stacked, right? You got Burrow hurt. Who knows exactly the significance of the calf issue and when it when it's going to allow him to be Joe Cool, Joe Burrow on the field because it's it's definitely holding him and the offense back. Rodgers is hurt, done for the year. Um, who steps into those spots now? AFC South is a mess. And New England's winning, but not against good teams. Buffalo seems to be back on track. And uh, across to the AFC West, you've got coaches who are making some crazy decisions, like Josh McDaniels kicking a field goal down eight instead of just going for it, trying to get the tie on a one-possession game. He, he looks completely lost Yeah, out there. I'm watching that game last night. I'm thinking, this guy doesn't look certain of anything when he's on the sideline coaching. Very disappointing. When he's trying to explain it post-game. Again, just uh, nonsensical uh, w- with that move. Um, big weekend for uh, college football. Some really great matchups. Big weekend for the Pac-12. And we'll get to a, a surprise team in a moment. But there are five remaining unbeaten teams in the Pac-12. And if they don't knock each other out throughout the course of the rest of the year, they're going to have two teams in the playoff. I mean, the percentage chance of that happening is, is strong based on the attention they're getting due to Colorado and now Oregon winning in blowout fashion, paired with the fact we got USC this week. Washington's already doing it, and they've done it through the Big Ten this year too. Um, Utah's defense is for real. Only allowed seven points against UCLA. They handled Florida easily. And I like where Utah will be when they get 
Cam Rising back. But also just look at the depth. Oh, and they, they play Oregon State, by the way. Utah does Friday night. I wonder if that will be on the top 10 college football games of, of Withrow's list on Friday. I've yet to have a Friday, Friday. night game make the list, so m- this might be the first one. But the depth of the conference in the middle is what may worry the potential of the two-team Pac-12 champ uh, plus the, the, either the loser or the team that lost in the regular season to the champ getting in because I do think there will be some surprise losses along the way. Washington State is one of the teams, Chad, that is right there, and they are playing some really nice football. Got another big win. Davey, do we have audio of this rant from Dickert? I don't think we do looking at the audio on here. Just no, we do. We check. have it. Oh, we do have this. Okay. So this was Jake Dickert, head coach of Washington State. So much is made about the Pac-2, right? And, and no one caring, and they got completely left behind. And there's nothing fair about it. There's nothing right about it, especially in a season where these two programs are incredibly relevant and very, very good teams to go out this way and be the last two standing that don't really have a home. They're not wanted by anyone. Well, that sparked some comments from Lee Corso where on college game day, he said, this is the no one wants us, no one wants to watch bowl between these two. So, Jake Dickert was talking about his team and his program and defending it while also talking about Lee Corso. This was after their win over Oregon State on Saturday night. Our team is greater than the sum of its parts. I saw a tweet again today. We got zero five stars, zero four stars. We got zero, right? But we're greater than the sum of our parts because of our connection and how we play and the buy-in that they have to their job. And I think it speaks volumes for 18 to 23-year-old young men to buy into that. It's not easy. And, you know, I just told RJ and BJ to come back for year six. This is why they came back. Okay, this is much on them and it is on us and what we're trying to create because of those guys and their leadership. So we're building something special. You know, I think nationally there's a, you know, there's a lot of noise out there. I mean, I caught something this morning and I was just watching game day, you know, and Corso comes on and he says, you know, the no one watches bull. You know, and I don't really understand that. What's the merit once again? Because the facts say people watch the Cougs. And the people watch the Cougs more than every team that's left over in the Big 12. Okay, so I, you know, Coach Corso, he's at the point now where they just, they give him the sheet and he, you know, he reads off of it and they try to make a joke, but it didn't even, didn't even make sense. Okay, it's well documented what ESPN has done to try to, you know, get this, get, to, get our league into where it's at. And I would love to have a conversation with Coach Corso about the, you know, the value that he sees in breaking up the premier West Coast Conference. Okay, and I'd also love to have a conversation with Coach Corso about how he thinks you know, student-athletes and mental health and flying them all over the country is a positive thing. I'm open to those conversations. I think this was a master class in how to handle an issue you might have with something as a head coach, as opposed to Ryan Day, who to me came across as more of an emotional mess about Lou Holtz right after his team's win. And I think it would have come across different had it not been on the field right after that win for Ohio State if he took his shot in the press conference to follow. Um, I I love what what Dickert had to say about this. And I get it. If you're him and you're leading that program, it's got to be troubling to hear these types of things. Uh, I I like what he said. I just don't – I don't – it's puzzling to me. Ryan Day is going after 86-year-old – 
uh, Lou Holtz post game, and Dickert's going after 88-year-old Lee Corso about discussing the West the West Coast Conference and whether or not it's you know feasible for all the travel that the student athletes are going to have, and both. Here, here's the other surprising part. There are several, not just Dickert and, and Day. There are a lot of coaches that talk about noise all of a sudden when they're preaching, ignore the noise yeah. in their locker room. And all they do is get behind a mic and discuss what everyone's saying, but then act like they don't hear or read anything, that they're trapped inside of an office when it's the exact opposite. Um, and the no one wants to watch game if you think of it through the lens of the networks and the conferences that brought other programs aboard and left those two, what is the perception of that? It's that you don't have a home. You've got to go to the Mountain West if you want one, if you want a home, a landing spot. And, you know, that's, that's no consolation prize. That's just relegation. So I don't know. I, I, I just find it strange that if you're going to call out what you've been hearing, you're not calling out. You know, 55-year-old uh, Kirk Herbstreet. You're calling out 88-year-old Lee Corso, who makes a cameo appearance weekly. Well, so I'm glad you brought up Herbstreet because he's chimed in. Uh, he went after our guy, Ryan Leaf, on Twitter because Ryan Leaf was fired up. And, and by the way, Ryan told Jake us, Dickert also. Ryan told us, too, about the, uh, the eyeballs and the numbers and how many people watch Washington State. Yeah, so um, Ryan Leaf tweeted... And College Game Day, mentioned College Game Day, is supposed to be a celebration of college football. Instead, they choose to make it a big joke, and everyone on the panel enables it. Just a bunch of wind socks. Hashtag Cougs versus everybody. To which Kirk Herbstreet responded and said, Huh? Is this a real tweet? You must have been hacked, Ryan. Lee's point, in all caps, obviously was it is two teams that have been left out that haven't found a home yet, not the, quote, no one watches bowl. Know you're excited your boys won, but damn, is what Herb Street had to say in defending Lee Corso. Look, I, I get that Kirk Herb Street's going to defend his guy and Lee Corso, who obviously means a lot to him. I, I watched the segment, and it was a joke about no one wants them. This is, you know, sort of the, the orphan bowl, if you will, between the two programs that got left behind, and everyone else now has a home, and they don't. That's exactly what Lee Corso was going for when he made the joke and everyone laughed then they moved on and they made their picks, you know, with the game and Vince Vaughn is sitting right there next to him making picks yeah. in the Notre Dame letterman's jacket and all that good stuff. So I, I get it if I'm Jake Dickert and I think everything he said is completely fair. I do think the biggest hand in all this was ESPN and other networks that sort of stripped these conferences for parts and realignment to get what they wanted out of it. And that two programs in remote parts of the country got left behind. And that's got to be frustrating. I understand Ryan Leaf being upset with it and all of that. Um, the going after the old guy thing twice in one weekend is a little strange. It's yeah. a little odd. Yeah. And it's also Herb Street's in a very, maybe not very difficult, but it is a delicate role that he plays with Corso. On that show. Yeah. Um, because they want him on the show, but they also don't want him on the show very long in any long stretch, right? And it's Herb Street that makes sure that the 
segments go as planned. And we've said for uh, the last couple of years, Chad, it's certain points where it's sad. Yeah, no, it is. And, and then certain points where it's nostalgic, right? And, and that was closer to the Corso that everyone remembers than it was him forgetting the matchup that's written down on the paper in front of him. So, yeah, going after 88 years old uh, Corso or 86-year-old Lou Holtz when, hey, the entire country watched Ohio State go soft against Michigan's front. Yeah. And, and, and it, it wasn't just Corso that's mentioning that no one wanted Washington State or Oregon State in this. It's one, I, I, again, I thought Digger did a great job with everything he was saying and conveying his point. It is one that would have been even more impactful had he just left Corso and like him reading a teleprompter or any of that out of it yeah. and just said, hey, I was watching college game day and they all joked about the no one watches bowl. And if he just used it as they on the show, yeah, because everyone laughed and joked about it, then I think you make your point e- even better. Regardless. They do belong, by the way. Regardless, ESPN absolutely had a hand in the fate of Washington State. And here's the point that bothers me more than anything else. I do think someone's nudging Lee Corso and, and helping him out with things to say and jokes to write. They're not using that joke if that game's on an ESPN network. The game was on Fox. That's well, a big reason they make fun of the no one watches bowl, the no one watches us bowl with it. They're not saying that about one of their own. Well, I mean, they, I guess. I mean, they, that's. If that game's the ESPN night game, they're not calling it the no one watches us bowl. Yeah. I, I just don't believe they are. That's in part done by people around Lee Corso they, because Fox has that game. They're also not going to have, you know, they, they're, they're moving on from the Pac-12, but they're going out of their way to discuss how good they are all of a sudden. You can't ignore it. By the way, they, the reason why the conference was ignored is because all summer the discussion was about next year in 2024, including SEC, Big Ten, what we're going to look like with the 12-team playoff. And we just totally overlooked these five-month stretch of, of solid programs playing some really good really good football. Washington State's one of them, by the way. They, they're fun. Yeah. The, the entire conference is, and it's deep. I, just, I don't think we'll see two teams because I think they're going to beat up on each other. Yeah, in probably. In the playoff. But and I, I'm I'm here for the I'm here for the I'm rooting for them as a conference this year. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting to me that you had two 80 plus year old men that yeah. two that, head coaches. That's my overall point there. In victory, in victory, yeah, in victory, not in defeat, not with a bitterness of defeat. Speaking for them, in victory, decided to go after one was right after the game on the field in the post game interview. The other was in a press conference. I thought Jake Dicker came across oh, way better I agree. than Ryan Day and his point and what he was saying. Yeah, conversational. Um, yeah, like I'd like to have a conversation with Coach Corso about this. And look, it's not funny to those schools. Like we can joke about it, you know, two thousand miles away sure. from these places, and even twenty thousand miles away from their football programs culturally. But it is important to these programs, and they are the ones that have to deal with the fallout. And the fallout happens because of greed and because of TV networks picking what they and want and manipulating things that they want. And their commissioner. And ineptitude from a leadership standpoint. All of those things. Uh, also great, though, was what we saw from Dan Lanning in the locker room 
prior to the kickoff against Colorado, prior to the annihilation of the Buffaloes on Saturday. Here's the Oregon head coach to his team. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. There's uh, Dan Lanning. And I, Chad, we mentioned earlier in the show, it's still, I'm still just surprised. I can't believe that Colorado's already at the point where they're producing pregame speeches like that. Four games in. Uh, it's going to be more to follow, too. This and week. They, oh, speaking of Hollywood, USC's on their way to Boulder this weekend. Much like Deion Sanders has a reason for filming everything he does, there's a reason Oregon filmed that pep talk, that pregame speech, and posted it for everyone to see. Coming up, more reaction. You know what? They wanted the clicks, too. To the NFL weekend. Friend of the show, Tank Williams, joins us. Former NFL safety, now NFL analyst. That's next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on OutKick. You can join Chad in the chat on YouTube. Search out OutKick. Hope you'll subscribe while you're there. Got a doubleheader tonight, Monday Night Football. We've got some uh, wagering advice headed our way shortly, but also our picks for the night coming up in about 20 minutes through OutKick.com slash bet. We say hello to uh, a guy who wears a lot of different hats and, and, and does that very well, from college scouting to NFL analyst, NFL and sports betting analyst, Tank Williams joins us, former NFL safety, uh, joins us back on the show. It's great to see you again, man, and uh, great to catch up again today. I know. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. It, it has been, man, and uh, let's get to it. So Chad and I were discussing this earlier. Do you go with Burrow tonight? I think you have to go with Burrow. Uh, I think that's the only choice for the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Do you see the way that the Los Angeles Rams offense is playing right now? Yeah. Like, that's a top three offense in the league without their best player on the field, and that's Cooper Cup. Like, it's amazing what they've been able to do with Puka Nakua, with Tutu Adwell. They really haven't even had to use Van Jefferson. Now you have Kyron Williams running the ball well and catching out of the backfield. Like, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to need everything on their roster in order to try to keep up with that Rams offense. And so, yeah, you need Burrow out there. He needs to connect with Jamar Chase because I don't know what in the hell has been going on with them right now, but they need to get that resolved immediately. Yeah, no doubt. And game-time decision with the calf issue and – uh, they've got uh, the Rams and then the, the Titans uh, coming up next Sunday. They'll be on a short week. Tank, uh, the perspective of hanging 70 points on an <laughs> opponent and being the opponent and knowing that you look up the scoreboard and it hasn't happened since the 50s, 70 points by the Dolphins on the Broncos. Yeah. Can you give us perspective from the, from the former player here of what you're thinking when you see that score? The only thing I was thinking was that I didn't know you could show explicit content like that on CBS. <laughs> I thought usually that stuff happened on like the the, the Wayback channels or, or behind yeah. the paywall. Yeah. Like that was incredible to see. I mean, Miami, the one thing that they're able to do, they have more speed than anybody in the NFL. And also Mike McDaniel, like he's a master at scheme. So when you add speed and scheme together, it's a hell of a drug. And they were just exploiting Denver. It, it was amazing to see what they were able to put on tape. As far as having Tyreek 
running down the field like Frank the Tank on old school, just butt naked, like nobody yeah. was around him. And that's the best player in the NFL. And then also the running backs just hitting their head on the back of the goalposts on a consistent basis. Like it was crazy for him to be able to scheme up that defense that consistently throughout the entire four quarters. And I want to get to your, the, the, we'll get to the issues with the Broncos in a moment, but from the Dolphins perspective, think about scoring 70 in a league and uh, in, in a game where, the, the, the clock doesn't stop after first down. You've got the running <laughs> clock. It's just the normal. Yeah. And they put up 70 on, on an NFL defense, no matter how bad they may be. That's incredible to me, what they did. That's a statement. Yeah. I mean, 70 on an NFL defense. They didn't have Jalen Waddle, who is one of the more right. dynamic wide receivers in the league. Right. You throw for over 300 pass yards and rush for over 300 yards. Like, it's hard to grasp. Like, that's stuff that happens on the video game. And for Sean Payton to, to do all the talking that he was doing in the preseason, and for this to be happening to his team right now, like, man, this is quite humbling for him, I'm pretty sure. I think maybe the polar opposite of the Dolphins' offense is Zach Wilson and the Jets' offense, if we had to look at it. NFL perspective, maybe the complete opposite side of that. Tank, how frustrating is it? You know, the, the Jets' defense allows 15 points and loses. Mm -hmm. Right. When that continues to happen, how can that divide a locker room when it's one side, especially on defense, that's pulling their weight, but you just can't get anything going on the other side? And there's talk of Zach Wilson needing confidence and guys getting into it on the sideline. How quickly can that tear a team apart? Uh, pretty quickly. Like I was in Minnesota when I saw that happen, where we couldn't really generate anything on offense. And that was my first year there after leaving the Titans for my first four years in the league. And it got pretty divisive, like rather quickly. If the offense isn't putting up points and then you know that you have enough on defense to, to do what it takes to go win a championship, then it becomes frustrating. And so, I mean, honestly, I feel for Zach Wilson. Honestly, I didn't want to watch that game because I knew it was going to be ugly. But then I saw some clips on social media, uh, Dan Ovalosky, he posted a really good thing saying that showing how Zach Wilson had like a four vert set up. And instead of just reading the coverage, when you could see clear as day, he had a whole shot on the backside and cover two. And he just went with the check down. And that just showed him that the coaches are in his head saying, one thing we don't want you to do is press it too much. Don't turn the ball over. Just play it close to the vest and like lean on the defense. But what we understand is this. And this in, in, the, in the NFL, if you're going to win games, if you're going to win championships, you have to be able to put the ball in your quarterback's hand at some point and have them go win a game for you. We saw that last night with the Las Vegas Raiders. They took the ball out of Jimmy G's hand. You have to have trust and confidence in your quarterback if you're going to win games in this league. And obviously the Jets don't have it in, in uh, Zach Wilson right now. Tank Williams, uh, our guest sports betting analyst. You can follow him on social at Tank Williams 13. Uh, so you played, with Jim, played for Jim Schwartz and his defense. Mm -hmm. What he's doing now in Cleveland, the Browns' defense, elite. They, phenomenal. They had a, a crazy day yesterday against a bad Titans offensive line. But even prior to that, they've been good. Um, mm -hmm. Knowing that they don't have Chubb, but knowing Deshaun Watson can at least show what he did yesterday at times. Can they, if he's consistent, how good can the Browns be? And how far can just their defense take them take? Defense can take them all the way. Uh, you know, Jim Schwartz was with us here in Nashville. And when you look at the pieces that he has, he improved that interior of the defensive line. They don't have an Albert Hainsworth, but Miles yeah. Garrett, you can look at him like being a bulkier Javon Curse, a freak. He has some fast linebackers that can run side to sideline, like Keith Bullock and some of those guys we had. 
You have a guy in Denzel Ward who is a top cornerback in the league, Samar Rose. So you have all the pieces in place where you can be a shutdown defense on a consistent basis. And they put that blueprint on tape with the Titans. I thought the Titans would be a little bit more aggressive than what they were against Cleveland. That was disappointing. Like, I understand what they were trying to do, but you're trying to play action pass them. You have to get the ball out of your hands quick because that offensive line couldn't hold up to that defensive line. And then at the same time, like, Derrick Henry couldn't get anything going. And so it was just a slaughtering as far yeah. as Cleveland's defense dealing with the Titans' offense. And so – and then it was disappointing on the, uh, on the Titans' defense as well because you see some plays where – they're just giving up layups. Like Amari Cooper just running down the field, Scott Freeway. It looks like the Titans are in a couple four. Yeah. And then the safety in the corner just let them right, run right by Both you. Guys. Trying to stay in the game late. And so it's just dysfunctional things like that that happen that just tell you that, I, I, I don't know. Like th- there's, there's something going on with the Titans. For them to be as good as they were, I th- I, like obviously the offensive line was in shambles. They had some, play, some uh, key players missing uh, yesterday. But at the same time, like, there are things where Deshaun Watson throws the ball behind them. And that's the play that you have to take advantage. You don't go and get a pass interference and a rough in the pass of the very next play to put them back in the first down territory. Then they go and march down the field and get a touchdown. So it's just plays and sequences like that that just make you scratch your head and say, what's really going on out there for the Titans? Yeah, that loss felt different. Looked different, yeah. felt different. Felt yeah. like uh, signaling something worse coming for the Titans. But, but we'll see. For the Browns, obviously very good. Outside of Kansas City – then Miami, now with the injury to, to, to Aaron Rodgers. Are the Browns one of those teams in the mix as an AFC contender? Who are you looking at the strongest tank as teams you think could win the AFC this year? I think the Browns are – they should definitely be in consideration, I would say, for this reason, because we already talked about the defense. But then you look at what Deshaun Watson has on offense. Like, obviously, losing Nick Chubb is big. I mean, he's their version of uh, King Henry for the Titans. I mean, he's not flashy. All he does is run downhill and get you about five to seven yards a clip. And, I mean, that sets up so much for the offense. But they show that they can still have a substantial run game with Jerome Ford. Now you have Kareem Hunt back in there. Amari Cooper is one of the more underrated wide receivers that you have. He's definitely a legit number one that we saw. can make plays down the field on the sideline. One of the best route runners in the league. I think Elijah Moore is a great guy that you can have in the slot. And then David Njoku is a mismatch for almost any linebacker trying to cover him because of his side, size and speed. So I think you pair all those together with a really strong defense. And now it seems that Deshaun Watson is starting to find some confidence. He found it against the Titans defense, at least. Like if they start to get on a little bit of a roll right now, they're definitely going to be a team that you have to look out for. But at the same time, what Miami is doing and putting on tape right now is crazy. And I like I want to see them in KC go head to head. Like I think everybody who's a fan of football, wants to see Patrick Mahomes and Tua go toe-to-toe. I uh, Absolutely. Uh, I also put Baltimore and Buffalo in that mix. Uh, where do you come down on the Ravens? And as long as Josh Allen can protect the football, they, they're, now, they're now back in sync, it appears, versus where we saw them to begin. Yeah, that defense had a get-right moment against the Washington Commanders, so I think that's what they want to see. And at the same time, Josh Allen looked good. I mean, he had a yeah. big play to Gabe Davis. It seems like Stephon Diggs was 7-11. He was always <laughs> open. And then James Cook is really good for that offense because the Buffalo Bills aren't going to be a team that try to run the ball down your throat because they like to use Josh Allen's legs as well. But he's sufficient enough in the run game and then also can catch the ball well out of the backfield. And so now with that defense starting to pick up the slack on the other side, I think they're going to be a force to contend with. And what I want to see out of the Baltimore Ravens is this. Like, you, you bring in Todd Munkin. You saw what he's able to do with Stetson Bennett. Um, 
at Georgia. And so I thought that we would have seen something more in the past game, especially going against the Colts where they no longer have Stephon Gilmore. That seemed like that was the weak point of that defense, uh, the pass uh, coverage. And so I don't know if it was the weather or something like that, but I really didn't like what I saw out of the Ravens offense. Lamar was using his legs a little bit more. more. That was good to see. I understand that there was a pass interference call that was missed late in the game, yeah. but the key is this. You have Kenyon Drake who fumbles down in Indianapolis territory. That takes points off the board. And then you have a fumble um, by Lamar, I believe, and that led to yes. a field goal. They couldn't hang the on to the football so, in the rain. Right. And then the defense, too. Like, the defense had to deal with some injuries, and so they rushed for over 100 yards against that Ravens defense. And Minshew was efficient enough to keep the Colts in it. So I think they need to clean up some things on offense and defense. But once they're healthy and if they can get rolling, the Ravens are definitely there. But they don't look like the team I anticipated to start the season, that's for sure. One more, and then I'm going to get your picks for tonight's uh, doubleheader uh, uh, for Monday night. Um, Dallas and their defense. Can you explain the significance? I don't know how they lost to Arizona first but yeah what's the what's the loss of Trayvon Diggs really mean for that group in this first game since we we've we know that he's out for the year with the ACL I mean, yeah that was gonna be big regardless whether they won a loss uh yesterday but the thing that really struck out to me was watching that game like I'm not sure if you remember the mystical quote where you said if you ever see me in the forest fighting with a grizzly bear help the bear like that's what the Cowboys <laughs> look like we thought the Cowboys was gonna be the bear and just go up in there and just maul Arizona. But that wasn't the case. Like, Arizona brought it to them from the very first snap of the game. And and, and that was one thing. Like, if you watched Arizona on tape, you saw it in the Giants game. You saw it in the Commanders game. Like, James Conner, like, runs with that dog. That defense, they're going around, they run, they flying, and they're hitting. And so I don't know if Dallas walked in there and said that, okay, like, the Giants were able to come back in and walk them at the end of that game. So this should be a cakewalk for us. But, like, nah, like, Arizona came with that dog. And that's just a reminder that there's so much parity in the NFL right now that you have to come with your lunch pail every day if you want to be one of the top teams in the league because you're going to have a team like a Arizona and some of these other ones like the Indianapolis Colts that if you don't come with your A game, they're going to come and hit you in the mouth and steal a win from you. And that's something that you can't do in the league if you want to go ahead and secure one of those buys and try to give yourself the best path to the Super Bowl. Real quick before we get your picks, you're a Pac-12 guy, Stanford. Are you bummed mm-hmm. to see what's happened to the conference and your Stanford Cardinal going to the ACC? I'm bummed to see what's going to happen to the conference, especially when you see how good the Pac-12 teams are this year, where you see like SC and Washington, what those two teams are able to do on offense. Oregon, like just phenomenal offensive specimens. And then what Dion has been able to do, like Dion. He's not there yet as far as the talent that he has along the offensive line and the defensive line, but that dude has been a moneymaker for college football. You go ask ABC, CBS, Fox, and all these other networks what he's been able to generate for them over the past few weeks for college football. It's extraordinary. And so just to see the excitement around the Pac-12 teams and what it's done for college football this season has just been incredible. And so for this to be the way that we're going out where it seems like we're one of the better teams in the country to have all this talent straight across the pack, like it's disappointing, but at the same time, I'm glad that we're going out on this high note. Two games tonight. Uh, first, uh, Philadelphia on the road against Tampa Bay. The Bucks are the only team remaining that have not committed a turnover yet this season, which is crazy. Right. Um, Eagles on the road favored by five and a half. Which way do you lean? I'm leaning towards the Eagles because I feel like they're the better team. At the same time, like I, I got to admit that. Can you imagine how it's going to be if Baker Mayfield knocks off the Eagles? Like, I don't know if folks have forgotten, like, this dude was swagged out at Oklahoma. And so if he wins this game, 
like it's gonna be fits magic, like fits magic with a with a little bit of Hennessy in it. Like yeah. the swag is gonna be <laughs> off the chain. And so I want to see it because when you look at that Philadelphia defense, it doesn't look quite the same as last year. They've been giving up a lot of big chunk plays in the past game, and that dude Mike Evans has been a specimen. They they haven't even gotten Chris Godwin off yet, so you know that's yeah. coming tonight. And on the flip side, like I feel that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, they could get got with the past game too. And we saw the little confrontation between Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. I'm looking for A.J. Brown to have a big game. Same. And that's going to be the thing that helps them get over the top, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. 15 seconds here. Bengals favored by three at home with the Rams visiting. If Burrow doesn't play, then I think the Rams get this. That offense is just too potent. And I think that they may get exposed with all the players that they're missing on defense like Jesse Bates. Hey, uh, your mystical reference makes me think back to my high school years. Thank you for that. Uh, and Master P as well. We'll catch up soon, man. This was great. Thank no, you. No limit records. Right, for sure. That's my hood. I'm from Bay St. Hey. Louis, Mississippi. You know. Tank Williams, uh, one of the best. Thanks, Tank. Check him out on social, Tank Williams 13. Picks next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot My With Hunt and Withrow rolls on. Search out Outkick on YouTube. That's where you can join us in the chat live each and every day, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Just walked out into Sixth and Peabody in the barroom floor. And uh, shout out to Raul and his family who's here. Uh, big nice. fans of the show, Hutton. Wanted me to tell you hello as well. Shout out to Raul. Also said go Vols on his way out. Raul, big Vol fan. What do you fan think of the show? We're hey, a big fan of his. Interesting SEC slate coming up for a lot of teams. We'll get to that uh, coming up. But uh, what could be some surprising newsmakers tomorrow, based on results of uh, Monday Night Football tonight? We've got uh, two games uh, going head to head, which Chad loves. I, I like the option of a blowout versus you know having to stick to a blowout instead of having the option of turning over and watching a different game. Uh, and you know, either way, we'll be entertained because we. Going to have some some reasons to play this game uh, of tonight. Course, of course. Points Bet's got you covered there. If you haven't taken your shot with Points Bet, now is the perfect moment. The big reason why, exclusively for first-time Points Bet users, grab this unique offer. Uh, right now, get up to $1,000 in second-chance bets. And your first bet, if it doesn't go as planned, Points Bet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com bet. Complete the registration process with PointsBet and make your first bet. If your first bet happens to lose, then guess what? That's when your second chance bets come into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Head over to outkick.com bet right now to snag this offer. Chad, what do you like tonight in the uh, first kickoff, which is uh, Philadelphia on the road in Tampa Bay, this game on uh, ABC and ESPN+. Plus. I like the Eagles minus five and a half. I parlayed that with A.J. Brown as an anytime touchdown score. I think he has a big game. Give me Eagles minus five and a half on the road. A.J. Brown with the touchdown. So I, I like the A.J. Brown aspect of this. I, I'm going over 68 and a half receiving yards for A.J. tonight in okay. this game. That's good. Uh, because he's, you know, he's they're, they're saying all the right things. And, and by the way, Brown and Hertz are great friends, even prior to him being traded there. I think everything's cool. I just think his guy is going to throw him to football a lot tonight. 
personally. I would go over, and I, I'm taking that heavy on my pick well, of this game. Well, I like – we're going two different routes. We both think A.J. Touchdown. Brown's going to have a big night. I just think he gets in the end zone. But, I mean, I'm, I'm now considering parlaying all three. Over 68.5 yards, you said, for yeah. him with yeah. the touchdown yeah. and with the Eagles minus 5.5. So, Eagles at 2-0, and Bucks at 2-0 and here. NFC South went 0-3 yesterday. It could be 0-4 after tonight. Or does Baker Mayfield have the continued magic with this? He's the first Bucks quarterback to start a season 2-0 with no interceptions since Sean King in 2000, the year 2000. Mysticals era, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and while he's under pressure, when he's blitzed, he's 14 of 17 for 223 yards and a touchdown. That was last week. That's tied for the most passing yards under pressure in a game over the last four seasons. Baker Mayfield did that with Tampa Bay. And the Eagles still have not looked right yet on either side of the ball. They've got to get Jalen Hurts going. I think they do that tonight. I think it's a really good game, though. And no one expected it to be. No, I, I think so, too. I also, while I think it's a good game, I think it's a nice breakout opportunity for the Eagles who, as you mentioned, have not looked right yet. Chad, uh, the second game kicking off at 8.15 Eastern, the Los Angeles Rams hitting the road to face the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals at 0-2, staring down 0-3 with their quarterback, Joe Burrow, who's going to be a game-time decision and is trying to play through that calf issue. But even if he plays through, the mobility's not there. Hutton, I, I, I do not think Joe Burrow's playing tonight. Okay. For that reason, I love Rams' money line. They're a two-and-a-half-point underdog right now. That That's going to adjust if there's a final word on Joe Burrow. Um, I've fact, not liked what I've seen from him so far. It was He's three and two-and-a-half. The fact that they're still an underdog tells me that Vegas thinks Burrow's playing. Yeah, and I but I think even when he's played, he's looked hurt. Yeah, yes. I, I like the Rams. They've looked good so far. Give me the Rams straight up money line at plus two and a half. Burrow has averaged, even when he's played, what Chad's saying, he's averaged 152 passing yards per game in the first two games. Uh, that is down from 280 yards passing per game from a year ago. Higgins had no catches in week one. Jamar Chase, 31 receiving yards in week two. And you've got Chase, who's a pro bowler. It's 70 yards through two games total now going into this matchup where... Is it going to be Browning? They've elevated, uh, they've elevated their practice squad quarterback as well, and uh, Stinnett, Reed Stinnett, and we'll see if Burrow plays. I tend to lean the way you're going. I'm going with another prop though, for Joe Mixon over 14 and a half carries, over under 14 and a half. I thought that was low. That's good news for my fantasy team if that goes over. What do you, I need what a do big you need night tonight? from Joe Mixon. I'm down by one point. And we each have, my opponent has two players, Jalen Hurts and a receiver. I have Joe Mixon and Rashad White, my two running backs let, yet to go. If Burrow plays and the Bengals a big night from those go guys. into week four at 0-3, they're facing the Titans here in Nashville on Sunday. At 0-3, 0-4 potentially, maybe you do think about IRing Burrow. Yep. Because the reports were they were considering it this past weekend. Chad, a couple thoughts uh, quickly on college football. At what point do we stop giving Iowa any relevance going into a season, ranked as high as they are? I mean, they, Penn State 
scored more points than Iowa had yards. It's nuts. They had more. They also ran more plays. More than, plays, than, yes. They Sorry. ran more, more plays, plays than Iowa I had said yards. points. Yeah. Here's the other that, thing. That's the issue. Like, Iowa is the same. It's the same storyline. And we, we treat this ranked opponent like they're going to play a factor in the Big Ten. And I just, I, every time I try to tune in and see what they're up to, and I, I, I've tuned in this past weekend to see what Penn State is capable of. They showed us, but have they really shown us anything based on the fact that they're facing Iowa and that awful offense? But why is it a whiteout game also for Penn State? <laughs> I feel like Penn State gave them too much credit in that 31 nothing beatdown of them. I guess they do it twice a year maybe because they're going to play Michigan later in the year, but that's 11 a.m. They like to do it at night. There you go. That's probably so why. So maybe that's, that's the reason why. kickoff game, I guess. Penn State looks really good. They do. I want to see if Penn State can be in those games with. They, uh, I think they're going to be in them. Can they get over the hump? It's not that we're surprised beat they beat Ohio Illinois State or, or Iowa. It's the fact that they just handled them and didn't allow anything to. They didn't allow those teams to feel like they were ever in the game. Yeah, that's important. Um, thinking through the uh, the SEC a bit, Auburn was it like fifty six passing yards in that game? They look terrible. How do you feel if you're Auburn right now, knowing that? That you produced that against A and M, I think everything is is I okay for them because it's year one with Hugh Freeze and it's a completely new offense. But you can't feel good about it. Here's no. what here's my takeaway from that game: Max Johnson looked awesome, and I feel like he maybe should have been the starter to start the year the way he looked. I know it's one it's, half. It's felt that way the last couple of years at A and M versus he, who they've gone with. When and, he comes in the game, I'm like, man, this guy looks like a stud. Well, they should use both. Yeah, if if Wigman gets healthy, but. I, I thought, they should use both. I thought Max Johnson looked great in that game. Uh, Kentucky, 4-0. I had to rib um, Kelly in Vegas a little bit. Oh, you did well. Because I, I remember she was wincing when I took in my pick A&M minus eight and said that was her upset pick with Auburn. And I just said, how about my Aggies? She didn't like it. Kentucky, 4-0. Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Missouri. Those are their next four games. I don't think they're winning two of the four. They're 4-0 now. I think two of the four is a success. Agreed. Can they get two wins out of the four? Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri. They get Florida at home, right, this week? They do. So I think that's very doable. Uh, In fact, they're a, a, a favorite in that game, I believe. Yeah, I think they can get... Two, but it's not going to be easy. Um, I watched a bit of that Kentucky Vanderbilt game. Boy, Vanderbilt struggled yeah. in that one. But Kentucky had two defensive touchdowns. I mean, I think the final score, they got a big lead, but it's a little bit deceiving because their defense scored yeah, they, 14 and they won yeah. by, I think, 17. Yeah, 41. Then it went 45 28. 45 28. But 14 of those points were from their defense. They get three of the four games at home. Yeah. I just. I don't know what that, where we are with Tennessee uh, later this year, but the, in order, it's Florida and Georgia in Athens, then hosting Missouri, and then they host Tennessee. I think I think they win one of those three. I think Kentucky and Missouri are interesting. Um, South Carolina can make themselves very interesting with a road win this weekend over Tennessee. Tennessee's got a lot of 
anger and revenge coming into this game. A night game in Neyland Stadium based on how they derailed their season yeah. last year. Yeah, I, I'm i very – in the SEC, so we know Vanderbilt's last, right? We can separate them. But Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, now that all those teams are starting to play each other, Florida's got the big win already. They beat Tennessee. So they're yep. 1-0, Tennessee's 0-1. But the rest of those games, I think, are going to be interesting. It goes in line with what the SEC is this year. Not great, but good enough to beat a, a really good team and good enough to lose to almost anyone. And Kentucky, if they get two of the four, Chad, they end up hosting Alabama later this year, too. That's That can be the, the icing on the cake. Yeah. Usher is your halftime performer for the Super Bowl. This was surprising to me. Me, too. Me, too. I... I bought into uh, bought into guns talking about the boy band that's, yeah, being a part. I of bought it. into it based on all the chatter and how much we're seeing them publicly now as a group. Uh, it's going to be Usher though. He says it's an honor of a lifetime to finally check a Super Bowl performance off of his bucket list. I think he'll be very entertaining. Um, not the most exciting announcement for a Super Bowl halftime well, show. And it, Based it, on where Usher is right now in his career. We were we were at the Super Bowl in Arlington and Usher was in that halftime performance with Black Eyed Peas. That's right. But yeah. this is him as the headliner. Um yeah, I mean it's how old is he now? 45 would be my guess, 46 probably. I don't think he's that. Um, old. Maybe he is. I'm looking it up I'd right now. I'd say mid 40s. Isn't it crazy that Black Eyed Peas performed at a Super Bowl halftime? <laughs> That's what I took away from that. He's 44 years old. Okay. Not sure. I mean, it's cool, but it's not... It, uh, I want to see what else they're going to do with this. It's not as cool as New Kids on the Block, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, 98 Degrees, LFO. LFO. Any, uh, any and all boy bands. Not nearly as cool as that. Maybe uh, Lee You know what else is not as cool as? Taylor Swift. Yeah. When that, is she going to do a Super Bowl halftime show? I don't know. She'll probably be at the Super Bowl watching the halftime show as the Chiefs play. Maybe she'll come out in a Kelsey jersey and perform with Usher. Maybe Kelsey will just stay out for halftime with her. Who knows? Maybe she'll convince Kelsey to quit football and uh, it'll derail the Chiefs dynasty. Quick question on her getting to Kansas City that I thought about yesterday. If you're Kelsey, you want to talk, you don't talk about punching up like it, or feuding down. This is the opposite where you, Taylor's – how do you – how do you date up if you're Taylor Swift? Kelsey's certainly doing that. The private jet, is Taylor getting there on her own or is Kelsey sending something to her to get there? Oh, how do you, she's getting there on her own. So, But how do you, you go two months and she's already at Arrowhead. Yeah, she's not flying wheels up. That's what, no, I know that's that. what Kelsey would be able to send to her. And then she's got something you, different. Did you see that uh, Outkick has this story? She paid everyone's bill at, the at restaurant. a restaurant so they would GTFO. So she could eat alone in the restaurant. That's odd. Security. It's awesome, though. I mean, I, that's a gift. Are you uh, kidding me? If yeah. I'm out for a big night and a big meal, and someone, hey, they're going to pay your entire meal. If you'll so just Taylor leave, Swift, I'm like, yeah, all get right. Get this to go. I'll finish up and I'll get Taylor out of here. going to be here, but you can't see her. Uh, all the security details coming in. I'm like Andy Staples. I'll finish this filet and this burger, these two entrees, and give me a couple more entrees on my way out to go if Taylor's paying still odd that you can't find a back room in the restaurant somewhere. That's Travis Kelsey's problem. She's got to figure that out. She can't be bothered with humans, Hutton. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We're back at it tomorrow for Hot Mike.